if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, this morning we're looking at verses 1 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. As we're starting to uh, get in deeper into Deuteronomy, uh, we, you remember I told you at the beginning that Deuteronomy is made up of a three, primarily of three different sermons of Moses. These are his last sermons to the people of Israel. We're in the, the midst of the first sermon, but he's starting to, to transition. At chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, Moses is making a transition. He's starting to close out his first sermon and starting to get, get people geared up, ready for the next sermon that we see in chapters 5 through 26. So he's making this transition from uh, telling the, the people of Israel about their relationship with God, who God is, who they are, and how that relationship uh, has worked in the past. And now he's starting to transition towards the law of God, God's law, and that's going to be the heart of, of chapters t- uh, uh, 5 through 26, God's law. And so he's making this transition. Now, some people today have become very disenchanted with the Old Testament in general and the Old Testament law in particular. They've just come kind of disenchanted with it altogether. Andy Stanley, for example, says that the church must unhitch from the Jewish scriptures, meaning the Old Testament. We should just unhitch from it altogether. We don't need the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, furthermore, he advises, thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. And he goes on to explain, these are not your commandments. I just need to leave them in, in the past. They're ancient scriptures. They're no longer apply, and we don't need to, to deal with them any longer. Let's just leave the Old Testament in the Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians. All we need are, are the, is the New Testament. But that's very contrary to what we see in the New Testament, right? You have to remember that the Old Testament text, the Old Testament scriptures, including the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, as some people refer to it, this was the Bible of Jesus and the apostles. This was their scriptures. The New Test- they were developing the New Testament. So when they talk about God's word, they're talking about the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Don't think I've come to abolish them. Don't think I've come to, to get rid of the law and the prophets. Don't think I've come to get rid of the Old Testament. No, he says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Christ came to fulfill them not to abolish them. Paul teaches us in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all Scripture. He's thinking primarily of the Old Testament Scriptures because he's in the process of being one of the apostles who are developing the New Testament Scriptures. So he's referring primarily to the Old Testament Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So all of Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of it together is profitable. 
So we don't need to unhitch from the Old Testament. We don't need to unhitch from the Old Testament law. We need to, to read it and study it because it's profitable, it's applicable to us today. And we see in this scripture, our text this morning teaches us to live in obedience to God's law. And so today we're going to learn living in obedience to God's law is profitable for Christians. Living in obedience to God's law is profitable for Christians. It is profitable for you, my dear friend, to study God's law and apply God's law to your life. And so today I want to show you three reasons from our text to live in obedience to the spirit of God's law. Three reasons to live in obedience to the spirit of God's law. Now, why do I say spirit? I want to emphasize spirit of the law here. And we need to understand that. Why the spirit of the law? Well, we do have to understand that we are in a, a different relationship to the Old Testament law than the Old Testament Israelites were, right? This was a law given to the Old Testament Israelites as they were going into the land of promise. And, and this is part of that old covenant between God and the nation of Israel. And God was taking them into this land of promise. He was giving them the land of promise. And, and part of that covenant was, I will be your God, you will be my people. I will give you the land. I will protect you in the land. I will bless you in the land if you keep my commandments. And the Israelites ultimately failed to keep his commandments. That's why they were sent back into exile. Right? God took them out of the land because they failed to keep his commandments. Now, we're not going into the land in the Middle East, right? We're, we're not over there in the Middle East. We're not going in to conquer a land. God's not giving us a land to conquer. We're not in that old covenant. We're in the new covenant. We're in Christ. We are in Christ, and Christ has come to fulfill. He's already fulfilled the law. He's fulfilled the law. He has lived in perfect obedience to God's law. He has kept the, the complete obedience to God's law. He has fulfilled it. And he has taken upon himself the curse of the law in our place. He has fulfilled it by taking on the curse of the law in our place so that as we trust in Jesus, we, we have perfect righteousness, right? We have perfect obedience in Christ. Nevertheless, we can still learn from the law. And from, by learning from the law, we can conform to Jesus Christ as we learn the law, study the law, and apply the law to our lives. So we, it may change. The application of the law may change in some ways or the other. Uh, for example, we talked about the old sacrificial system in our, our Bible reading as we started the, the service off this morning, right? All of those Old Testament sacrificial systems, Christ came and he fulfilled those. Those were a type, those were a, a, a pattern, those were, were to show, reveal Christ. This is what Christ was coming to do and this is what he would accomplish in his own sacrifice. But because he has fulfilled the sacrificial system, those Old Testament laws dealing with sacrifices, they've, they've passed, they've gone away because he's fulfilled them. We study them and we apply them to our lives by seeing how they apply to Jesus and how they reveal Jesus. So 
everything that we look at in the Old Testament, we have to look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. We look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ, and through Christ, then, we apply it to our lives. Also, when we talk about the spirit of the law, and even the New Testament tells us this, we're not to keep the letter of the law, but we're to keep the spirit of, of God's law. And this was a problem that even the Pharisees in Jesus' day had. They wanted to keep the very letter of the law. The law said, thou shalt, and the, so this is what you shall do. And they didn't take into consideration context. They didn't take into consideration uh, what the, the, whole, the principle behind the law was meaning to accomplish. For example, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 8, and we'll get to this eventually, but let's just kind of look at it briefly to, to understand what I'm talking about here. But in Deuteronomy 22, verse 8, it says, When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. So now a parapet was a guardrail, basically. It was a guardrail that they would put along the, the roof of their houses. Now we have to understand the context there, right? This is the Old Testament context. And in those days, they, they typically built, a, built houses with flat roofs. And that's where they kind of had their backyard barbecue, right? When people came over, they didn't go in crowd inside because it was kind of stuffy in the, in the house, in their houses. They didn't have AC. They didn't have heat. They didn't have all of those things. And so when they had a backyard barbecue, they went up to the roof. And that's where they had their social gatherings. And so God says, hey, put a, put a guardrail around the top of your roof so that y your guests, when they come over, they don't fall off and, and kill themselves from falling off from the top of your house so put a guardrail up there love your neighbor by putting a guardrail around the top of your house now if we were to keep the letter of the law we would all need to rush home and put a guardrail around our house right even though we've got these crazy pitches going up on our on our, the roof of our house we're not going to have a party up there uh, but but if we're going to keep the letter of the law hey it says put a parapet around the top of your house but now the spirit of the law would be that if we're going to love our neighbor we need to make sure our house is safe for company when they come over if i have a loose step out there on the 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 steps coming in the house i need to fix that so that nobody falls and hurts themselves as they're coming into my house or if i have wires sticking out of the wall i need to cover those wires so that nobody electrocutes themselves as they're coming over and, and visiting me you see, it's all about the spirit of the law. What, what's the law? What's the, the main principle that the law is teaching us? So we're, we're to live in obedience to the spirit of the law. Now, why should we do that? And that's what I want us to see today. So if you found your place there in Deuteronomy chapter 4, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord, and now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today." 
your eyes have seen what the Lord did at, at uh, Baal Peor. For the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the, the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God all are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all the, these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all these law, all this law that I set before you today? Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your law. And Lord, we pray as we look at these reasons to apply your law to our lives and and live in obedience to your law lord i pray that you would teach us help us to understand and give us hearts lord willing to obey your law and to live by it thank you for your law these things i pray in christ's name amen you may be seated So as we consider living in obedience to God's law, we need to, first of all, live in obedience to God's law because God's law is normative. God's law is normative. Boy, what a wonderful blessing that God's law is normative. That is, it is unchanging. Now, uh, we're in the midst of hunting season. It just started up and kicked off deer season, I think was yesterday here in northeast Louisiana. And, uh, and so every year at hunting season, the Game and Fish Commission publishes a new guide for the hunting season. Every year, it's a new guide for a, uh, the hunting season. And you do well to go by and pick up one of these guides or look it up online, whichever you prefer, and, and to look it over. But why? Because every year there's changes to the hunting regulations. In fact, they, got a, they have a little section, and I looked it up uh, this year. It's on page four, hunters. So page four in your Louisiana hunter, hunter's guide it is a list of all the major changes to the hunting laws. And, and that's the way it is. Human law changes. It always changes. It's, it's in flux, right? Rules and regulations, they, they come and they go. They, they change. They ebb and flow with the time and the culture. Human law changes. But here's the wonderful thing. God's law never does. God's law never changes. It's always the same. Now, again, the application may be different because we're in a different culture than ancient Israelites. The application may change, but the universal principle, right, the universal law stays the same. God's law never changes because God never changes. God doesn't change his mind. What was right for God in the very beginning is still right for God today. 
what was right for the Israelites when God brought them into the promised land is right for us today. Morality in God's sight never, ever changes, so you don't have to worry about staying up with the times, all right? Has this law changed? Has it changed? Well, the application may change because of the culture, but the principle, the law itself has never changed, and it will never change. It will always be the same. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that. God has given us his law, and it's never changing. We see that here in our text, of course. Verse 2, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. God's law never changes. And, of course, here's a warning for us as well. We should never change God's law. We should never alter God's law. Because God's law is unchanging. We are never to alter it. We're never to take away from it. That way, thus, we should never unhitch from it. We should never take away from it. So all of those people who would like to take the Bible and, oh, I don't like this section, take, tear that out. Oh, I don't like what this says, take, tear that out. They're living in a disobedience to God. They're changing his law. They're changing his word to fit themselves and, again, those who would add to it. Those who like to add to God's Word, who like to, to bring in other books and say, oh, well, well, this is inspired. Oh, this, this, this seems inspiring. I want to live by it. Oh, I like this. this. I want to add this to the Bible. And there's plenty of po people who want to add to the Bible, add to it their own laws, their own rules, their own regulations, be warned, if you start adding to God's law, it's not God you're worshiping. You're worshiping yourself. Or whether you add to or take away, you're not worshiping God any longer. You're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping your own God. So we need to be careful not to add anything to it, not to take anything away from it, but live by God's law God's word and it's easy to do that isn't it it's easy to do that I mean we, we come up with all kinds of crazy stuff that oh well you're a Christian if you do such and such right uh, if you wear a suit on Sunday you're a Christian but a, a man if you wear jeans oh oh heathen where's that in here Oh, if you're a woman and you don't wear a dress on, on Sunday, oh, you're a heathen. Where's that in here? See, we've got to be very careful. And, and those are two, you know, kind of crazy examples, but we, can, we probably know some folks who kind of think that way, right? But we can also kind of devise up our own things. Oh, well, you're a Christian if you do such and such, and if you vote Republican, you're a Christian. If you vote Democrat, you must be a heathen. That's not in here. Right? You got to be careful. Be careful, friend. Any of us, we, we can all are liable to add to and take things away from God's word. We need to be very careful. Study God's word. Live by God's word. Not by our own wants and desires. God's word is normative. God's law is normative. Therefore, 
live in obedience to God's normative law. So live in obedience to God's law because God's law is normative. Second, live in obedience to God's law because God's law is key to a blessed life. God's law, God's word in general, but God's law specifically key to a blessed life. And we see Moses tell the Israelites this, right? And now, O Israel, verse 1, listen to the statutes and the rules that I, I'm teaching you. And do them that, here's the purpose, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God, uh, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Now, again, we understand our context has changed, right? Uh, Moses is talking to the Israelites. They're going into the land to take possession of it and to live in it. And he says, if you, you keep this law, God will bless you in the land. Our context is different. We're not going into the land of promise over there in the Middle East and, and taking possession of Israel and living in it and God blessing us. We are in Christ. We are in Christ, but yet we still see that we are blessed in Christ by living in obedience to God's will, God's law. When you think about this, uh, it, we're talking about uh, the law blesses Christians. The law blesses Christians. As we, we keep the law, as we keep God's law, keep his word, we become blessed. We receive the full blessings of God's joy, the fullness of his joy. We experience the fullness of his joy in our lives when we strive to live in obedience to God's will for us. John 15 through 11, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, when we live in obedience to God's law, his will for us. We experience the fullness of his joy in our lives there is is communion we enjoy the communion of of god jesus says abide in me and i will abide in you there's this mutual abiding that takes place when we're living in obedience to god there's this abiding that takes place this unhindered abiding we enjoy the, the, the blessings of communion with God. We enjoy the privileges of, of being a child of God, the fullness of those privileges when we are living in obedience to God. Now, understand, this doesn't mean health and wealth, right? We're, we're not talking about if you live in obedience to God, you're going to have wealth and good health and all of those things. No, that's not necessarily the case. We're not talking about material blessings here. We're talking about the fullness of God, the fullness of joy of being in communion with God. In fact, you, you think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, for instance, Paul was one who, who abided in Christ. He lived for Christ. He served Christ. And yet he was given a thorn in his flesh. 
We don't know what this thorn was, but most likely it was some kind of physical ailment. It was a thorn in the flesh. So it was most likely some kind of physical ailment that, that hindered him as he was going out preaching the gospel from town to town. A lot of people think it was some kind of a speech impediment because of he was such a speaker and, and people complained about him not being skilled a skilled speaker, right? And so some people kind of think it might have been something like that. We don't know, but, but there was some kind of physical impediment, some kind of thorn in his flesh that he was dealing with. And Paul says, I prayed three times, Lord, take this away from me. Lord, take this away from me. Lord, take this away from me. And what did the Lord say? No. No, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul says, well, then I boast all the more in my weakness. Because it glorified Christ, it glorified God as he went out and preached with power and, and, and overcame this weakness. It glorified and magnified God. And so Paul says, I boast in my weakness. I glory in my weakness. He gloried in the fullness of God in his life because he was surrendered to God's will. If you want to enjoy the fullness of God in your life, the fullness of His joy, the fullness of communion with God, live in obedience to God's will. Live in obedience to His law. Seek to conform to God. We, we understand this in the family unit, don't we? I mean, in, in the family. When I was a kid growing up, I enjoyed the fullness of my of communion with my parents when I lived in obedience to their law, their will. Everything was good. Everything was smooth. We, we enjoyed one another. We laughed. We had a good time. But when I rebelled against their law, things changed. They still loved me, but things changed. Now there was discipline that had to take place. I didn't experience the fullness of that joy of communion with my parents anymore because now they're having to discipline me. They're taking privileges away from me. They're, they're, they're disciplining me. And so it is with God. For Christians, when we're living in obedience to God's law and obedience to His will for our lives, then there's the fullness of God's joy. Experience the fullness of communion, the fullness of the privileges of, be, of being a child of God. But when we disobey, then God has to discipline. And we no longer experience the fullness of that joy. The joy is still there because God's love is still there, but the fullness of it is hindered. So we live in obedience to God's law because we want to experience the fullness of God's blessings in our lives. So the law blesses Christians, but also notice this, the law condemns non-Christians. It condemns non-believers. And, and that's one of the, the, the purposes of the law. 
it condemns the non-believer it condemns uh, non-christians as they they come to the law if you're not a believer when you come to the law and you hear the demands of the law and understand that you've been unable to keep the law then you realize the condemnation of god weighs upon you it lays upon you full non-believers as they begin to read god's law and understand god's law and the demands of it and the condemnation that comes from it they become convicted because of god's condemnation upon their lives maybe here you're here today and you've experienced that you read through god's law and it's condemning it's heavy upon you. But dear friend, I want you to know that God has provided a way of escape from the condemnation of God's law. He has provided a way of escape through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's again where the old, all the old, sacrifice, old sacrificial systems come into play because it's to point us to Christ. He is the remedy for the law's condemnation. And if we trust in Jesus Christ, the condemnation of the law is removed. And we experience God's salvation and freedom from God's, the condemnation of God's law. So if you want to experience the fullness of God's joy in your life, Trust God. Trust Him. Have faith in God. Have faith in Christ. And strive to live in obedience to God's commandments. So live in obedience to God's law because it is normative and it is the key to a blessed life. Third, live in obedience to God's law because God's law reveals God. God's law reveals God, and, and this is the most glorious aspect of God's law, I think. God's law reveals God. It reveals God, first of all, to the lost. Notice what he says there in verses 5 through 6. See, behold, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You see, part of God's purpose for the people of Israel, even in that day, was that they would reveal God to their neighbors. That they would be a light of God in the world of darkness. That people would look at Israel and say, man, look at that nation. Look how blessed they are. They have a mighty and wonderful God. Let's go learn about him. And so in Solomon's day, the queen of, of Ethiopia came up to learn about this God of Solomon. 
And, and that was one of the purposes of the Israelites. They were to be a light of God in the midst of a, an evil and wicked world. And so as they lived out the law of God, people would take recognition. They would see this is a wise and understanding people. They must have a wise and understanding God. Let's go learn about him. And you know what? When we live in obedience to God's law, specifically in God's law, word in general, when we live in obedience to God, people will take notice. It will be revelation to the lost. We will reveal God to the lost. They will be able to see God in us as we live out God's word and God's law before them. Because ultimately, God's law reveals God's very character. Right? He doesn't just give us a law. He just didn't go down through there and say, oh, well, let's see. Yeah, thou shalt not steal. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. No, all of these laws reveal his character. They reveal God. They're a part of who he is. And it's about us conforming to him and his character. That's the purpose of the law for us as Christians, is to conform us to God. And so when we live out God's law in this lost and dying world, people see God in us. And they begin to ask, what do you have that I don't? Long, long time ago, back when Mary Beth and I first got married, I may have shared this story before, but when we first got married, we were in the mall in Hot Springs. I, I think we were even on our honeymoon, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, we, we were in the mall in Hot Springs and in Dillard's Lady Shoes. Because if you go to the mall with Mary Beth, you're going to end up in Dillard's Lady Shoes every time. So we were in Dillard's Lady Shoes. <coughs> and I was standing there watching her, waiting for her to try on every shoe in the, the department. And... Uh, and all of a sudden, some guy walks by, and he slaps me on the back. Oorah, Marine! Oorah! And, and I looked at him, and I said, how do you know I'm a Marine? And, and he, well, you know, the haircut, the way you're standing, your stature, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, I, I can just tell. Uh, he was a fellow Marine, right? And, and so he knew because of my character, the way I carried myself. He knew I was a Marine. It was just evident. Now, better still, and something I'm even more grateful for, fast forward a little over a decade, again in Dillard's Lady Shoes, that this time I'm working there, because I'm in seminary, we're in Dillard's Lady Shoes at Fort Worth, Texas. I've been working there for a couple of months now. And one night it was really slow. I'd straighten up as many shoes as I could straighten up. There was not a, a customer in the store. It was just one of those nights, a week night. And so I finally got bored and, and I walked over to the men's section, just kind of wandered over there looking at some things. Uh, it was right across the aisle there. So I just wandered over there looking at some things. And I struck up a conversation with the, the lady who was working that department. And it came about you know what, you're different than everybody else over there in, in the ladies' shoes department. Really? 
what do you mean? Well, you're just kind and courteous, and, and you don't talk like all of those other folks over there. It's like, well, I'm a Christian. I just want to be like Jesus. And I got to share the gospel with her. Because she recognized something different in me. She didn't recognize Richard. She recognized Jesus in me. And you see, when we strive to live out God's law before a lost and dying world, we reveal God to the nations. And we open up opportunities to share our faith with the lost. Obedience to God's law reveals God to the lost. But you know what? It also reveals God to you. It reveals God to you. God's law, as I said, is the revelation, it's the revealing of God's character to us. If we want to know what God is like, read his law. Read his law. Because God is perfect in righteousness. And, and that's what the text says right there, doesn't it? That's what he says in verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to you as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law, this Torah, that I set before you today? This law of God. This righteous law. There is no law ever written that is more righteous than God's law. Because God, the one behind the law, is perfect in righteousness. Therefore, he has given us a law that is perfect in righteousness. And so when we study God's law, we're studying perfect righteousness. We're seeing the perfect righteousness of God before our eyes. It reveals God to us. God's law reveals God to us. We can know Him, understand Him, and conform our lives to Him. That's why God gave us the law. He gave us his written law so that we can conform our lives to him and be like him. God reveals himself to you through his law. You know, people have always sensed that there is a God somewhere. But so few have known him or known how to please him. Such is illustrated in an ancient Sumerian prayer that comes from back around Moses' day, sometime along in there. Let me just share a portion of this pagan prayer. It's rather long, but I'm not going to share all of it. I'm just going to share a little bit of it here. This Sumerian prayer goes something like this. May my Lord's angry heart be reconciled. 
May the God I do not know be reconciled. May the goddess I do not know be reconciled. May the God, whoever he is, be reconciled. May the goddess, whoever she is, be reconciled. Oh, my Lord, may many are my wrongs, great my sins. Oh, my God, many are my wrongs, great my sins. Oh, my goddess, many are my wrongs, great my sins. Oh, God, whoever you are, many are my wrongs, great my sins. Oh, goddess, whoever you are, many are my wrongs, great my sins. I do not know what wrong I've done. I do not know what sin I have committed. I do not know what abomination I have perpetuated. I do not know what taboo I have violated. O oh God, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. O oh goddess, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. O oh Lord, turn toward me, I implore you. O oh goddess, look upon me, I implore you. O oh God, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. O oh goddess, whoever you are, turn towards me, I implore you. How long, O oh God, whomever you are, until your angry heart is uh, calmed? How long, O oh goddess, who, whosoever you are, until your estranged heart is reconciled? Do you hear the desperation? They, they, these people, they knew there was a God out there, a God who was angry at them, a God that they had sinned against, but they did not know him. And so they just covered all the bases. Oh, Lord, oh, God, oh, goddess, whomever you are. It kind of reminds you of, of Paul and, and Athens, and, and they had the temple to the unknown God because there was a God out there whom they had not appeased because he had not revealed himself to them. Oh, what a wonderful blessing! What a wonderful blessing God has revealed himself to us. He has shown himself. We don't have to guess. We know he, who he is. We know the sins we have committed. We know the offenses. And we know that God has covered them in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, what wonderful blessing God has given us by revealing himself to us in his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Oh, friend, don't neglect God's law. Don't skip over it. If you're reading through the Bible, start with the New Testament. Sure, start with the New Testament because that tells you about Jesus. But don't overlook the Old Testament. Go back and read the first of the book. Because it shows us Jesus too. And it reveals the perfect righteousness of God to us. God's law is a good law. It's a righteous law. And it reveals God to us so that we might conform to him. Dear friend, live in obedience to God's law. For it is profitable for you, dear Christian. God's law is normative. It's unchanging. You don't have to wonder if you're doing right or wrong, read God's law. 
God's law is key to a blessed life of experience the fullness of God's joy as you walk in obedience to the will, His will for your lives. God's law reveals God both to the lost and to you. Value God's law. Don't unhitch from it. Lord knows, please do not unhitch from the Old Testament. Value it. Study it. Sing the law's praises. Even as David sung the law's praises in Psalm 19, the law, oh, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold sweeter also than honey and dripping of of the honeycomb moreover by them is your servant warned in keeping them there is great reward praise god for his law praise god for his law live in obedience to god's law for it will be profitable to you dear friends now, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never turned to Him and trusted in Christ, as you read the law, the law will condemn. It will reveal to you your shortcomings. It will reveal to you how you have rebelled against a holy and righteous God. But I want you to know that the law also reveals that God has provided a way of an escape. He has provided a sacrifice that will redeem you and reconcile you. He has provided a sacrifice that will make you pure and holy in His sight by sending His Son Jesus Christ to die in your place to live in your place, to achieve perfect righteousness for you, and then die in your place, absorbing the curse of the law for you. And if you trust in Jesus and surrender your heart to Him, you will know God's reconciliation. You will be reconciled to God. You will be made holy. And you will know the joy of his salvation. And he will teach you how to obey his law. Even as he dwells within you. Oh friend, if you've never trusted in Christ, feel the condemnation of God's law. And let it drive you to Jesus. Surrender to Christ. And know the joy of his salvation. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy law. We thank you that it does reveal you to us. It gives us a picture of who you are even before 
you took on human flesh <laughs> and came in human form in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your law. And thank you, Lord, that it instructs us to, to conform our lives to you. And Lord, I do pray that if there are any who have never trusted in Jesus, Lord, may they feel the weight of the law upon them. And they rush to Jesus for relief. Free them from the law of condemnation today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.